Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. We started off a straight talk on Blog Talk this morning talking about this idea of voting, which was a continuation of last week's program. And it's going to be on everybody's mind for the next few months. Uh, It is really not the solution, at least the way in which we vote today. It is basically we've come down from being originally a republic and not a pure republic, but fairly close to that at different times. It depends on what we say by we, because the republics were individual states. And before that, the republics were actually individual communities. The nature of a republic uh, is quite a bit different than what most people think. Today, they imagine a republic is simply an indirect democracy and nobody in the schools are actually teaching you what a republic was a republic was when people were free from things public the original idiom that we read in the latin referencing a republic was libera res publica and we cover that in the book higher liberty and probably in several other books we bring it up but um, i quote uh, a number of Roman historians, and in one of those quotes, it talks about this Liber Res Publica, this republic that existed before the empire, and the empire virtually smothered all the vestiges of the original republic under the totalitarian rule of Caesars as more and more power was placed in their hands. As soon as you elect anyone, anyone, your pastor or your congressman or your local county officials to exercise authority on your behalf and to rule on your behalf, your neighbor, in an indirect democracy, you have let the camel's nose in the tent. And this is the old adage is if you let the camel's nose in the tent as soon as his nose is in there soon the whole camel's in there and that's it's a Pandora's box as soon as you start down that road of electing somebody to do what you should do for yourself and you shouldn't do that you should take back your responsibilities as soon as you give some of your authority to somebody else then you begin to lose the rights for yourself now there is a way in which you can delegate authority but it's never over your right to choose it's over uh, you know something you give them power And it shouldn't be real property so much as, although I guess it could be at times. But basically what it amounts to is that you give responsibility to someone. You delegate responsibility to do something without giving them the power to exercise authority over your choices. And, you know, this is a fine line. Where does 
where do you go too far? And you have to know where that is. And it's going to take some thinking on your part. And to give you the best example I know is the early Israelites. They operated their government for 400 years with nothing but free will offerings. People talk about tithing as if they are not free will offerings. They certainly were free will offerings. Think about it. Ten families pick a minister. If you don't like the minister that those ten families pick, you get together with a different ten families. No one dictates that you have to be with that family. And then when you tithe to that minister in support of your government, because that is your government, the health, education, and welfare, that is your government. And when you tithe to them, you tithe to them according to their service. That's what it says. How many ministers tell you that? Oh, don't tithe to me except according to my service, if I do good service. Now, now you have to ask yourself, what is good service? You know, in a local congregation out here, there's only really one and within about 30 miles. They've been watching the movie or the film Agenda. And some people haven't come to that film because they don't want to, they don't want to be bothered with that sort of thing. They go to church to be lifted up. People came to Christ to hear the truth. He wasn't trying to make them feel good. He was trying to lead them to the ways where you become good. He wasn't lifting you up. He was pointing out your errors and your failings. And so, therefore, that's why you go to church. That means you have to have free conversations in your church about things. And, and we should talk about a number of things that you have to watch out for, and I hope that you will call in and ask me some questions. Uh, I know there's some people out there right now that probably have some questions, and we have a call-in number, which is 414-395-2442. And there's a chat room. And so if you're in the chat room you want to ask a question, put a bunch of question marks after the question. And somebody will read it to me and we'll we'll take it from there. But uh, how do you become free? Well, first you have to want freedom for others as much as yourself. And we talked about this on Blog Talk, is this idea of, you know, your ship is sinking. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Just save yourself? Now, I always remember the Titanic when it went down. Many of the boats that pushed off from the Titanic were not full. Some of them weren't even half full. When they did that, they were killing the people. They were literally murdering them. Because they... They pushed off, and their boat had not made room for everybody that they could get in their boat. That's outrageous. Outrageous. Is that what testimony you're going to have when you come before the Lord? 
I saved myself, Lord. If you want to be free, you have to work at setting others free. There's just no other way around it. That is the that is the message of Christ. And to set them free, that means you have to work together. You have to become an alternative government that is operating by the perfect law of liberty. It's that simple. You come together in a congregation that actually is taking care of the social welfare needs of your community. And the more people that you come together with, with that spirit of Christ coming to serve, the richer the kingdom is. And the freer you are. It's that simple. So if you're, you want to gather together in a congregation, and you say, well, these people are too far away, we can't hardly meet, and, you know, we, don't, we can't sing, we can't lift up each other. Is Christ not sufficient? It, is being like Christ not sufficient? What did Christ come to do? He, he came to teach us how to come together. He came to find the lost sheep. There's a job. Okay, you're in a congregation. You're 100 miles, 200 miles apart. You say, we can't hardly get together. Well, let's find everybody in between you and me. Put flyers up. Every time you drive to see each other, leave the house with 25 flyers and put them up that says how to get a hold of you and form a congregation of records and start meeting and having meetups. And I travel this route to meet with others that are seeking the kingdom of heaven and the righteousness of God, and I would love to meet with you. And you can put it on our website. And if that don't scare them off, then they, maybe they're worth their salt. <laughs> and... Uh, and maybe you'll find people in between the and And, you know, I don't know. There's probably a hundred things you could do. But then that's why you pick contact ministers, and they get together, and they think, hey, what can we do? They just had a meeting in uh, Illinois, Rockford, Illinois, at the something Corral, <laughs> which is, they already had that meeting. And we have a number of conference calls today where guys are getting together and thinking of ways in order to help others, hopefully. If you want to be free, start working at freeing others. If you want to be saved, start thinking about how you can save others. We had an X-Class player last week, and uh, it was only like X1, X2. And uh, there was a big earthquake uh, that actually was deep enough, I guess, that it shook the whole planet just about. We showed, uh, I showed some of the PCMs uh, uh, that are preparing for a conference call. Um, the feeds from all these different seismic locations, and they were just all shaken all around the world. Uh, in diverse places. And yet, you know, there are bigger earthquakes coming. 
these CMEs, we've had a prolonged solar minimum. There could be a, a solar max unprecedented. That doesn't matter if there's lots of activity. It's that one CME we've had. At, since 1985, we've had at least three CMEs, coronal mass ejections from the sun, that if they had hit the earth today, they could have caused severe, severe damage to the grid on the sunlit side of the earth so that the grid goes down for as much as six months. Even going down for a month would be devastating. And yet we, we know that such a, uh, events are possible. They've taken place in the past. We know that their effect would be to break down and destroy the power grid. It would melt down transformer after transformer and fuse together the uh, circuit-breaking fuses all over the country. And this country is absolutely dependent on, upon power. Somebody wrote me in uh, one of the video blogs talking about the fact that he's been on, what is it called, SDI, uh, since he was a teenager and he is no skill and he wants to get in a community because he wants to be free. Well, he has to learn a skill. He has to learn to serve. And it's amazing how much you can do. I know somebody who was on SDI, uh, I guess it's SDI, he's permanent disability since he was in an automobile accident on the day before his 18th birthday, and his, both his parents were killed, and he was a quadriplegic. But he ran a machine shop from his hospital bed. But he didn't have a congregation, and his neighbor stole his property. His neighbor was with the mafia. He's also with the government. And uh, he wanted to buy that property because he surrounded it. The guy didn't want to sell. So suddenly, all kinds of inspectors kept showing up. He was actually put in jail for violation, inspection violations. One of them was that the cord to his hospital bed in his machine shop was not covered and somebody might trip on it. He doesn't get out of bed. They put him in uh, jail and he didn't have a bed in jail and he got bed sores and he got gangrenous, and they had to cut out part of his buttocks this man's in jail for the heinous crime of not having the power cord covered and some outlet, other outlet problems and too much junk in his yard this is a place that was out in the country judges and other government officials meet for barbecues within view of his place at the other man's property. And this guy lost his property. He almost lost his life. He may be dead by now, but this is a few years ago. But he didn't have a congregation. One of the reasons he didn't have a congregation, he didn't even have some of his family supporting him, is he was a very unforgiving guy, very angry guy. And I, I don't blame him. But the fact is, is that's a killer. You have to stop being angry. Stop. Anger is the result of judging others. 
and God is judge. They have to stop that. Free people from your anger and judgment. Stop judging them. Stop putting up walls of unforgiveness between you and your neighbor. One of the ways we create these walls is doctrines, where we think it's important to do these outside things, these rituals and performances. That is that is one of the Satan's biggest <laughs> tools is to get you to think it's important to do this or this or this or this a certain way. Is it love? Is it strengthening your neighbor? Is it bearing some kind of fruit of Christ? I mean, think about it. What was Christ emphasizing? He's giving you the key to free government. So anyway, I'm going to give you that number again. And those of you in the chat room, come up with some questions on this topic. 414-395-2442. So the way you vote in the kingdom is you pick somebody that you think is a good servant of God someone who is not only going to help you get free, but is actually equally working to help other people get free, and you tithe to him. You support him. You give him something. And then sit back and see if he does a good job. And I say sit back in the point of view that you watch him and see what he does with what you gave him. And if he gives and does well, give him some more. But look for others to gather together with and try to get other people to see that the kingdom, the reason that you have the problems you have in the world today, the economy, uh, the breakdown in society, ignorant children being graduated from high schools and universities on a regular basis who do not understand the, the basics of Christendom, yet they think they're Christian. Being a Christian is a full-time job. It's not just about not murdering. <laughs> it's about loving your neighbor as yourself. It's actively going out there and trying to create a society that it doesn't matter in that society the power goes out. Hey, we'll do okay. It doesn't matter if the ship goes down. We have our lifeboat. Every congregation is a lifeboat. And every member of that congregation is a board, a plank, in the bottom of that lifeboat. And how tightly they fit together is going to determine whether that lifeboat floats or not. You know, uh, you don't glue the joints of the, you know, the old joiners. They just hit them so snugly that when they were in the water and the water made the wood swell just a little bit, it sealed all the leaks. 
and that's what your congregation each plank is independent but it learns to fit together and without forgiveness and giving there will be no fitting together the stones of the altars had to fit together without hewing those stones that means you have to develop the relationships necessary for such a government you don't do that by singing singing is fine it's great love to have a lot of singing at the uh, fall festival this year I'd like to hear more about somebody who's got talent who wants to come to the fall festival bring your guitars bring your ukulele bring your bagpipes whatever it is because we'll make music then but we'll be coming together first we don't want to create the illusion of being together but we want people to have that chance of iron sharpening iron and we'll see if we can't gather more and more people it, there's a balance between making the events too comfortable too uplifting and actually also bringing us closer to Christ because what a lot of people do is they use that uplifting feeling that they get from music in the church as a substitute for the righteousness of God. And our priority needs to be to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, yes, do what he said. Not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who do it the will. But then we have a line there. What is doing his will? Is it the ritual or the purpose of the ritual? Because God's not going to care if we have Feast of Tabernacles and don't have the purpose of the Tabernacles foremost in our minds, which is coming together, bringing people together. There was Pentecost, Tabernacles. Yeah, there was getting together. It was a festival. You invited the stranger. But it was also a chance to cement those relationships necessary in the network that will be required in the days to come. Imagine if all the power was lost throughout the United States or major portions. East Coast would probably be the worst hit. depends on what time of day the CMA gets here. It will happen eventually. But just as a scenario, okay, we can make another scenario. Somebody sends off an electromagnetic pulse and then shuts down the power system. Whatever. Earthquake. Uh, you know, the reactor in um, uh, Fukushima is not the only reactor that is susceptible to earthquake disaster. That's the big fear of nuclear reactors is total blackout. Because they cannot keep the rods cool under a total blackout. If there's no power, they're all in trouble. If the grid goes down, they're all in trouble. I tell you, you'll have Fukushima's all over the East Coast. It's not when or if this is going to happen. It's when it's going to happen. Because it's going to happen. Already we see in Germany they're shutting down all their nuclear reactors because they know. The Germans know. It's going to happen. But anyway, we're going to return to Keys of the Kingdom in a moment after these words from the station. 
And I want you to write down that number and think of some good questions. 
back to Keys of the Kingdom, and we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments and see if we can't do that show. I pulled them up here, at least in the King James Bible. I don't like numbering the Ten Commandments because I don't, you know, there seems to be a discrepancy as to which way it should be numbered. And, of course, there are Jewish scholars who say it should be numbered this way and Catholics who say it this way and Protestants who say it this way. But let's just go through the text and read that. Hey, there's a, uh, first, before you do that, there's a question in the chat room. Okay. It says, question for Brother Gregory. Do you feel that the main purpose of the kingdom, besides serving the Lord, is to help make freedom available to others and not just for one's personal self? Well, uh, yeah, let's put it into context. Uh, God created man and gave... And gave man dominion. I don't know what. Did you hear a click? <laughs> yeah, I think you bumped the button on. Okay. Um, anyway, the uh, God gave man dominion over the earth. He just didn't give man dominion over other men. Uh, we're not to become rulers. We're to learn to be ruled by God, and that's the nature of God. Is that he lets us make that choice. He gives us the power of choice. Now, that's that's an amazing concept that someone who is God, a creator of the universe, is going to give us a choice. But the fact that he gave us a choice is part of that nature of God. And if we are to be made in his image, then by that nature, we would want to give choice to others. And democracies are about taking choice away from at least 49% of the people and making them do what we want. And so by that contradiction, whenever we're voting to exercise authority to rule over our neighbor, to take away the choice of our neighbor, we are going contrary to the nature of God. If we live our lives contrary to the nature of God, He will not hear us in our time of need. He will not dwell in us because we are contrary. We are blotting Him out. So the purpose is not to let other men be free, but the purpose is to have the Holy Spirit to live of this tree of life living in us and you cannot have the two. You cannot want to be the ruler over your neighbor and want Christ to live in you as well. They just are not not compatible concepts. So the fact that you want to let other people be free is a byproduct of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness because it is only righteous to let other people be free now. How far do we take that freedom? Does that mean that we let everybody just go do anything they want? Well, in in some senses, yes. But we know that there is a God, and if people just go do anything they want and what they are doing is contrary to the ways of God, they will devise their own punishment. Uh, If they injure others or take away the rights of others, then we are obligated to step in 
It doesn't mean they can just do anything they want because there is a God. And if you just do anything you want, it's contrary. If you're wanting to do things that are contrary to the Spirit of God, hey, you're going to be punished, and God will see to it. It's it's built into the system. And so, yeah, there's, uh, you know, can you read that question one more time, Paul? Sure. It says, do you feel that the main purpose of the kingdom, besides serving the Lord, is to help make freedom available to others and not just for one's personal self? Right. Uh, Again, I kind of, you know, these are overlapping concepts. Uh, If you, if you, (laughs) I I think I kind of made it clear. Uh, I just want to make sure I kind of answered the question uh, because it, you, you can't, you can't have Christ dwelling in you unless you want to have freedom for others because that was what Christ came to do. He didn't come to free himself. He came to free others. So if that is Christ's nature living in us, it's a done deal. Uh, it seems to me a kind of a no-brainer that you're already, that's what you're going to be seeking uh, is to free others. But to free them to do what? To serve God. And if people don't serve God, then we should cut them off and have nothing to do with them. And let's give you an example. In the Old Testament, you're supposed to stone certain people that break certain rules according to the interpretation handed down to us by the Pharisees. Uh, And I believe that the stones of the altar in those days were actually living stones originally. It's when they came out of Babylon that as men began to misinterpret the stones of the altar instead of this, because it's the same word, stones of, uh, gathering of stones is the same word as a, a council of friends. Same exact word in the Hebrew. Same arrangement of letters, and the letters mean something, so there's, there's, it's the same concept. So the stone altars were actually people you trust. You looked out amongst yourselves, found men you trust. They gathered together, and you gave them an offering, and that offering was to be used to strengthen your community, help those who are truly in need, who are seeking righteousness but have a need, so that you don't need to go to the government of Sodom, so that you don't need to go to the uh, government of Nimrod and the government of Caesar and the government of Pharaoh. You can take care of one another and no matter what the plague is, from CMEs to shortage of food to uh, flood to famine to whatever it is, you can help one another because you are gathered together with love for one another. So, anyway, that's, that is the nature of Christ. It should be the nature of us. And if it's the nature of us, why aren't we gathering together? And I always give the example of, you know, if there's a coyote or a mountain lion or a bobcat in the field, my sheep, you see them all gather together in a big circle. And they all stare outward in all directions. And uh, they got brains not much bigger than a hardball. <laughs> uh, what's the deal? They know to come together when there's danger. We don't even know how to come together. So if there's a problem, people panic and go every different direction. We've lost that skill. We need to get it back. It's only common sense to get it back. 
So anyway, that's our purpose is to be like our Father. And our Father set us free. Gave us a job that we should stick to, but he set us free to do it. And that's what we need to do, is set our neighbors free. But those stoning in the altars, uh, that's what you, that's how you stone them, is that if someone was immoral or irreprehensible, hey, you cut them off. <laughs> you're not going to get any more SDI or welfare in the kingdom. The only place you're going to get that is in the governments of the world, which is bankrupt and which doesn't care about you. And you're going to find yourself, uh, you know, I knew a guy who uh, had one daughter and uh, he was going to get out of the system. And he wasn't, didn't want to be in the system anymore because he had had, he had been uh, making something and they changed the code so that he couldn't make it anymore. They did it actually on purpose. Uh, and uh, he ran him out of business. And uh, he hated the system. And so he wanted out of the system. And then he had a stroke. And he had people that were willing to take care of us. But he said he wanted to go uh, back into the system and make them take care of him. Because they wouldn't let him out. He had gotten a letter after his stroke that they wouldn't let him out of the system. And, uh, of course, that's not really what the letter said. But long story short, anyway, he went back into the system. And right away, children's services are showing up. Why aren't your, your, kid, your kid in school? And then you have to fill out the form to get state aid, too, and uh, because the federal aid isn't enough. And, and if you fill out one, you got to fill out the other. And so he had to go back to using his old name and his old number. And, and then when he got better, he came back and he says, well, I want out of the system again. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. <laughs> you know, you have to decide which way you want to be and which way you want to go. Do you want to force your neighbor to take care of you? I mean, this guy had people that were taking care of him, but he wanted to go back into the system and force them to take care of him. Of course, he's not forcing the government to take care of him. He's forcing his neighbor to take care of him because the government's only going to take care of him with the money that they forced out of his neighbor. He never understood that. He just hated the system. Not good enough. You have to love your neighbor as yourself. Moses said it. Jesus said it. Abraham did it. I don't know what part of that we haven't been able to figure out, but to stone somebody at the altars in the in the town at the gates or whatever it is or up against the wall had to do with cutting them off from the welfare system. And that's what we see in the New Testament. And it talks about backbiters and and goes to this big long list of fornicators, etc., have nothing to do with them. We have a table of which they cannot eat. That gives them one alternative, to go eat at the table of the world and the world government. And those guys don't let you eat for free. So they will be punished. The problem is, is that we're all eating up there right now ourselves because we won't come together and provide for one another. And we need to stop. And that's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. That's That has to be our motivation in congregation. So anyway, and how does that fit into the Ten Commandments? And I don't know. We'll get to it, but this is a well, long show, so we might get to it. You had another question? <laughs> yeah, there's a follow-up in there. 
Okay. What, what if helping to free others means that you remain in bondage? Do you just wait for someone to free you? Oh, well, uh, when the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt, what did they do? They paid their tally of bricks, but they began to glean in the field at night for their straw. Well, they weren't all brickmakers. There were stone cutters. There were guys working in the temples. Uh, I mean, Aaron knew the arts of the temple. The, the idea that they were all brickmakers is ridiculous. They they weren't, you know, they were shepherds. They were doing other things. Uh, those are metaphors. Now, their tally of bricks was there. They still had to pay their their uh, 20%. That's what it was all about. If you couldn't pay the 20%, you might have to go and work in the brick fields. But if you could pay it, you, you know, because you were wealthy, you didn't have to go work in the brick fields. You just pay in a sum but they had to keep paying their tally of bricks they had to keep paying their tithing to the patronus of Egypt their tribute but they had to start getting their benefits by gleaning in the field what is gleaning uh, the term gleaning has to do with what uh, the widows and orphans did they uh, and this wasn't always in the specific format, but it's basically the concept. So, so think of it conceptually, and as this is the metaphor explanation, is that if you were a widow or an orphan, you could go to the fields of uh, the Israelites, and they were not to cut everything in the field. They were to leave something in the field for the widows and orphans. They talk about night cutting the corners of their fields so that the widows and orphans could come in and cut it. Well, is that's an interesting concept. The widows and orphans still had to go and do something. They couldn't just sit at home and collect a check. They had to get out there. They didn't have to plant. They didn't have to own a field. Uh, but they had to cut their own grain, trash their own grain, grind their own grain and make their own bread. Today, you can just get a check and have pizza delivered. I actually know somebody who did that. There was a lady who had pizza delivered every day, every day. She sat in her house, never left, and she just had pizza delivered. And she ended up falling and not being able to get to the phone and was laying there helpless on the floor. And the lady was off who normally delivered her pizza and she got back and she found out that the lady didn't call for her pizza so she she went by the house to check on her and saved her life <laughs> so uh but the fact is is only in a welfare system that allows you to live at home and have a check sent to you you don't even have to go out your door and the food is brought to your house every single day <laughs> I don't know that you would think the pizza would have killed her. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, yeah, God is going to free you. But God's only going to free those who actually are seeking the righteousness of God. You know, people say, come out of my people lest you be partakers of their sin. That's not where Christ started. He started with, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How is it righteous to jump in a lifeboat and paddle away from the ship with the lifeboat almost completely empty 
and you're free. I saved myself. It doesn't work that way. The way it works is that you save others because you're going to need those others because it's the nature of Christ. So, anyway, I think that kind of sums it up. Um, Do you want to help... uh You going to say something? I said, do you want to help uh, uh, describe a vision of what it means to free your neighbor? Um, well, you know, the the idea of congregations, well, the more you, you know, I, like I gave an example this morning where I read somebody had been on SDI since he was a teenager. I don't know what his disability is or anything. Uh, but he's getting this government check, um, and he says, I have no skills, and, you know, what can I, I want to be free. Well, free with a check? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't get it. <laughs> and, you know, where somebody has to send you a check, because remember, the government doesn't send you a check. It's, it's all those people the government takes money from who's sending you the check. You just, it's just signed by the government. But uh, who is taking from your neighbor, not stealing, but taking his tithing, compelled tithing, because that's what they signed up for. Um, so if you if you want to be free, you have to free your neighbor. Well, you have to seek independence. And I wrote him back. And I don't think I have it still here. Uh, but I wrote him back. The, it's on one of the video blogs uh, that uh, to join the Living Network and to learn a skill and develop relationships of trust and get with a congregation of people who are seeking to free others as much as they are seeking to be free themselves. And that's that's kind of the formula. If you want to be free, you have to spend 50% of your energy and time trying to free others. (laughs) 50% income tax in the kingdom of God. How you do that is up to you. Now, some of the way to do that is to learn more about how the kingdom works, how uh, righteous, what is righteous and what is not righteous. Uh, spending the time to get to know other people, that's part of that contribution. Even when the guy you're getting to know at times can be a bit of a jerk, forgive him so that when you're a bit of a jerk, he can forgive you. And that's developing that relationship. And, you know, come to the Burning Bush Festival. Uh, come to some of these other meetups. Uh, that was, I was going to send an email to the PCMs that maybe uh, the first part of the second half of the show will give announcements if there's other meetings coming up so somebody can prepare to call in to give those announcements, uh, which won't be another eight minutes or so or nine minutes. Uh, they'll have to call in. And we'll announce some of these other events coming up. But that's your, as you become more independent, self-reliant, and less dependent upon the charity of others, you're freeing your neighbor from that. Uh, I don't want everybody on SDI and Social Security to say, I'm not going to take a check anymore and I'm just going to live and hope that God provides for me. that may be a very willful approach, but God is judge. You have to decide, okay, I'm getting a check, I'm spending all day watching TV, I'm going to watch the Super Bowl, I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing. 
why aren't you spending that time, you know, seeking to find others, to congregate with others and work with others, to find those lost sheep? When the sheep get scattered in the field, they wander off. You should see them. Small group wanders off and suddenly realize they they thought they were with the others and they realize suddenly that half the band or more than half is gone. They run together. They stick so close together and they baa real loud trying to get others' attention. They're all alert and their heads up looking in all directions trying to find the others. And finally when they spot them, they all run to the others. They have to run all the way there and bang all the way that where were you guys we lost you we couldn't find you we were worried <laughs> that's what it translates out as but that's learning to spend the time to come together and watch out that this doesn't happen again they're actually traumatized when they can't find the rest of them this world wants you to be absolutely comfortable not finding anybody <laughs> <laughs> not getting together with anybody. That's why uh, eHarmony.com is making so much money. <laughs> uh, because we're not coming together and we're not working together. I'm amazed at the number of people that were a part of the network when they didn't get things their way. They just up and left everybody. Just up and abandoned everybody. Well, better we know now than when the ship starts going down. So anyway, you have to develop those relationships. So freeing everybody is part of it's becoming independent. Part of it is seeing how you can help others. Like I gave the example of homeschoolers. You don't have any kids in the school, so what? Get together with homeschooling groups and, and start helping them. Uh, this The agenda film that I recommend everybody see uh, the solution at the end that's repeated over and over again take your kids out of school homeschool in order to do that there's going to be a backlash against that there already is in some states You're, they're going to need lots of support we should be supporting that the GMO thing the having these marches on GMO uh, protesting the use of GMOs and the fact that they're in foods and they're not labeling it uh, and they're having these walks uh, and stuff, we should be a part of that. Those are kingdom tracks. And we'll find other people, but we should form congregations of record where we actually know our teams. We organize ourselves. I'm not going to organize you. Organize yourselves. And so that's freeing people, freeing me from having to do everything and try to herd cats, it's because everybody starts doing their part in congregating together. And then, once you're doing that, you can have fun at that. Now you got something to sing about. You know, you won't need as much uplifting, but it can still be uplifting and you can have a good time doing it. But if you're not doing what Christ said, stop singing. <laughs> you know, unless it's a dirge. <laughs> Because you're wasting your time, you know. So anyway, uh, anything else going on in the chat room, Paul? There is, but I think I'm going to save that. There's a big question. I'll save it for after the break. Okay. So anyway, we'll we'll have an announcement right after the break, uh, going into uh, some of the events uh, coming up. The latter part of 
September uh, we're going to have out here in Summer Lake uh, Feast of Tabernacles or the Burning Bush Festival, and we're going to try to make that as big as we can possibly make it. There's some people talking about convoying to get all the way out here, um, and uh, we would love to have them meeting people all along the way. So even if you can't make it, get on the Living Network and find out who's who. Because I'm not telling you. you got to do it yourself. We'll be back. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month. And you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all the First Amendment Rights Media Group programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you can request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $20. Or any single program on tape, MP3 CD, or CD for only $15. You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory. And we're going to did we get a call with uh, somebody about the announcements, or do you remember some of the announcements of some of the other meetings coming up, Paul? Well, we didn't get any calls. I didn't okay. see an email warning anyone to come up with a list of announcements. Okay, well, we'll try to do that before this hour's out. Somebody give us a call on some of these other events that are coming up. Uh, yeah, I'm not getting emails that while I'm doing the show because I can't read and talk at the same time. <laughs> But anyway, you had a question in the chat room before the break. Yeah, let me uh, find that again. It says, Many churches are preaching today that Jesus was a socialist because he said to take care of the poor and needy of a society. Do you think this is right? And if not, 
then how do we take care of the needy without being socialist? What's the difference? Well, uh, it's, that's an easy thing to come up with. <laughs> and Jesus was a uh, a socialist, but not with a gun. And that's the difference. I mean, socialism is, yeah, take care of the needy and the poor and uh, the widows and orphans uh, of your society. You have to do it in a way in which it strengthens the poor, but you uh, you don't use a gun to collect the <laughs> contribution. You don't put people in jail if they don't give enough. Uh, it's really that simple. Uh, was Christ uh, was the Levites kicking in your door to collect your tithing? No. No, you tied to them according to the service. It was called a free will offering. I don't know how people define free will, uh, but in the kingdom of God, your contribution is a free will contribution. In the kingdoms of the world, your contribution is not a free will contribution. It's a compelled offering. It is still a sacrifice. It is still a Corbin. But you have to pay it in, or somebody will throw you in jail or beat you up or take your property away. Christ has parable after parable talking about the servant, the good servant, who said, how much do you owe? I owe this much. Well, what can you pay? I can only pay this much, paid in full. That's the nature of Christ's socialism. You know, what What would be a 10% tithing? What would be a, a peace offering? Uh, this much. Okay, can you pay that much? No, I can't. I can only pay this much. Paid in full. If your government's not doing that, your government is not designed by God. It's designed by Nimrods and Caesars and Pharaohs, and not the Pharaoh that knew Joseph, but the other one. So it's socialism without the gun the socialism without the knife to your throat it's socialism by love now the reason I put it in those terms why I say he's a socialist without the gun is so that all the socialists who go around saying oh but we should take care of the needy okay take care of them have at it but put the gun down because you look like a thief and I say look like a thief because they're not a thief. They're actually just covetous of their neighbor's goods. They desire them. It's not stealing. The government is not stealing. It probably steals a little bit here and there. But uh, by policy, the government has a right to take the tribute that you owe it. Because you made a contract with them. You ran them into debt with your free education and all these other things that you wanted and now you're in bondage. You can't just get out. Now, I'm, there is a way out, but you can't just wave your hand and get out. But I'm not going to tell you any more about how to get out until you show me that you're seeking the kingdom. You know, the valley of the shadow of the death that David talks about is an actual real valley in Israel. It's uh, very rocky. Uh, it's got little narrow paths through it, 
and it goes from one uh, pasture down to another pasture. One's a little higher than the other. And to travel this rough terrain is what's called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. And so, yea, though I walk through the Valley of the Shadow of Death, I fear no evil. Because the Lord is my shepherd. His rod and his staff, they do comfort me. His rod and his staff. Why a rod and a staff? What's the two things? Well, I'll go into that. But anyway, that's, you know, people, you know, I saw another person blogging on the videos today that was talking about the right to self-determination group, which I don't advocate. Um, I advocate self-determination, but I don't advocate that particular group that uses that phrase. Uh, and they wanted, I want to have ID so that I can travel around. I want to not be a part of the world, but I want to have ID so I can travel around. Wrong question. I want to help you build an ID system so that other people can travel around. <laughs> Different question. Good question. <laughs> So, you know, the people who say, how do I be free? Bad question. Good question. How can I help other people be free? <laughs> you see the difference. One sounds like Christ. The other one sounds like every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there who wants to be free, even if it costs somebody else something. You know, the ship is sinking. How do we man the lifeboats together? That's the question. Not run around ripping the life vest off of some poor boy like we saw in Black what was it uh, was it Black Beauty was <laughs> the other horse <laughs> Black Stallion was that the name of it but <laughs> anyway uh, so I don't know did I answer that question uh, I think I did yeah socialism as Christ a socialist you put up an, a good answer quote <laughs> and a smiley face so you're good <laughs> Okay, maybe I should look at the chat room. So anyway, uh, since uh, nobody's calling in with a schedule of uh, coming announcements, I'll maybe I'll start on the Ten Commandments. Yeah, well, I know one announcement would be that there is going to be a uh, gathering in Missouri at the end of April. I think the weekend is the 20, 20th, 21st, 22nd, and um, that will be happening courtesy of Brent in north, okay. northeast Missouri. And you can get that information on the Living Network. Okay. So if you're not a member of the Living Network and you haven't picked a contact minister, you probably wouldn't know these things. But, yeah, in Missouri, that'll be the end of April. So uh, get on there. And, and we have these things posted on the Preparing You site. And I could probably go and look for you and tell everybody where that's at. And, but the fact is then I'm doing everything. And that's the thing is that there are clear leaders in a, a fold of sheep. There are sheep that go out ahead of all the other sheep, and you see them, you know, and they're actually somewhat competitive. I see them, you know, they'll run up and they'll start eating in a little piece of grass, and another one will run up alongside of it and go one foot farther and eat a little piece of grass ahead of them, and then another one will come and run, and they get going. And they forget about the guys way in the back, and you have, that's when I send out the black and white units to get out in front of them and pull them over. Woo! Woo! <laughs> black and white unit for all you uneducated sheepherders is a border collie. 
and uh, pulls those over and says, stop going so fast. The old guys are not keeping up. Now, they're not as bad once you start having lambs. They remember, and they go a little slower, but sometimes they can. I can't even keep up with them anymore. <laughs> but when they do get separated like that, they're all alert and looking in every direction trying to find the other sheep. They're still clear leaders, but they're all working together. I mean, it looks like a little, uh, little, uh, uh, what it was, a platoon out there, uh, cause they stay really close together and they dash around these bushes and the, over this hill and they're looking around for, uh, the rest of the sheep. And I, I actually have a series of photos I took cause I found a group like that and it was mostly younger lambs and, uh, I was trying to get them back with the rest of the sheep, and they didn't. They weren't sure I knew what I was talking about, <laughs> which is something I'm used to. Uh, but eventually, I I moved them, kept moving them, and across the desert until we got back, and then they came in and sighted the other sheep, and then they forgot all about me. They didn't even say thanks. We have and a ran call. off to join the others, huh? We have a caller. We have a caller. So, Hello? Hello. Hello. Hi, Brother Gregory. This is Isabel in New York. Okay. I have an Hi, announcement. I, wanna, I just decided to call for this announcement. Is I'm going to have a gathering in my house in New Paltz some weekend in March, towards the end of March, uh, for anybody who's traveling in the New York area. Um, there's a woman in New Jersey, an HHC member, who's been a member for a number of years who has never met any other members okay. who is coming over. So it'd be a wonderful opportunity to get her to meet as many people as possible. Um, so that's going to happen in March, towards the end of March. We don't have a definite weekend set, but I will post it, you know, okay. as soon as I know for sure. Yeah, and uh, so that's in New York. What part of New York are you in? This is the Hudson Valley. It's about uh, an hour and a half from New York City. Okay. So okay. But I, I, will, I will post it, and if anybody's traveling in that area, it'd be a really good opportunity. Right. Uh, and so anybody who wants to join the Living Network at HisHolyChurch.org, go up there and click on the guy with the net and... Uh, and uh, find the New York group and join that group, and you'll get all those announcements. Okay, thank so, you. You bet. Thanks, Thanks for calling in. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of other stuff that goes on on the network that doesn't go on through email, and that's really important that we realize that, that, yeah, we depend on phones, uh, email, uh, but the bigger the network grows the more we will depend on each other and it has to it has to be people actually caring about other people and it takes a huge amount of patience to do that because we're very uh inept at doing this when i first began to herd sheep my brother was buying the sheep and uh he bought blackface sheep and then we bought mottleface sheep and those are not herd the blackface sheep are not gregarious sheep. They're farm flocks. They're used to being fenced in to tight little fields and move from field to field. 
they're not range sheep. They're not used to being out where there's no fences, so they don't have this gregarious nature to them. And uh, so when we bought Mottleface, they're half and half of each, uh, half blackface ram and whiteface mother usually. And so they don't have a real good gregarious instinct. <laughs> and uh, that was okay because I was young and uh, could run real good <laughs> keep up with them. But I can't run as fast as and as long as I don't do marathons anymore. I mean, uh, uh, I might do a quarter of a mile <laughs> or maybe a mile, but no 26-mile runs anymore. Uh, the... Uh, uh, point is is that we have to learn what it, this is to gather together and to think about others and to stick together with others and uh, it's not a and that requires all these characteristics that we hear Jesus talking about so is the end goal morality or does morality help us get to the end goal if we have patience and forgiveness and a giving nature is that the goal, or does that help us get to the goal? And the reality is, is there, it's a mutual thing. You know, you can't have one without the other. It's like your left foot, right foot thing. And so you have to have patience. You have to be giving. You have to be forgiving. You have to be tolerant in order to get to a place where God can, you know, why do you forgive others so that they will forgive you? Um, why do you forgive others so that you will be forgiven? You know, this this is all tied up. You can't have one without the other. It's a golden rule. So anyway, huh? Golden rule thing, right? Yeah, you can't can't get away from that. It's built into the system, and uh, it's the you know there's liberty within the system, but if you break the rules, you will suffer. And so anyway. Uh, you let me know. Go ahead and interrupt if there's anything that comes up in the chat room uh, or if we do get another caller because there may be some other events that somebody wants to announce. But uh, Let's give out the anyway, number again. Yeah, the, the telephone number. I always have to jump back because I have to actually read it. Uh, 414-395-2442. And so it's 414-395-2442. So anyway, um, back to the Ten Commandments. Uh, so Moses went down to the... Oh, let's start with the first uh, verse of the chapter. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. The word Egypt there in the original text actually means bondage. It didn't necessarily mean a particular location. It came to be known as that, but the actual Hebrew word we're talking about is actually the word um, that means bondage. Um, and uh, but actually, you know, actually, I just double checked. In this particular case, uh, yeah, it comes from a word uh, besieged place. Uh, even. Uh, uh, you know, bulwark, a fortress, and of course it was. It was a safe haven for them, but it was also became a prison. Uh, 
kind of like Yul Brynick in Magnificent Seven. The walls are not made to keep you out, but to keep you in. And that's the way it was with Egypt. Uh, there's the, you also see the word uh, where it took you out of this uh, house of bondage. And uh, that that word is, uh, you know, where they, they translate uh, uh, bondage from this word of service because you are servants. Uh, it's ebed is the Hebrew word which comes from the word abed to serve but anyway uh, so you had to serve and of course everybody in almost every country has to serve their government now they have to by law they are bound in that they can't choose free will offerings they have already made a choice and they have become bound and now how do you get unbound well let's look how Jesus brought them out of Egypt first they had to learn to take care of one another good idea you know, if you're going to be jumping in and walking the plank, can you swim? <laughs> Important safety tip. Do not walk plank until you can swim. <laughs> and if you can't swim all the way to shore, learn to make a lifeboat. And like I said, the lifeboats are the congregations of people who care also about you making it. Uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, one way to number the Ten Commandments is to start with the thou shalt not, because there's about ten of them. So is that the Ten Commandments, or did we say, I am the Lord thy God? That's, they always make that the first one. Well, that's, that's kind of a no-brainer, because this is where all the thou shalt are coming from. So not numbering them, the first thou shalt not is thou shalt have no other gods before me. And, of course, that word... Uh, God there is Elohim, which is also translated uh, judge uh, several times. It's also translated angel once. It's translated mighty twice. It's translated great twice. It's translated exceeding once. Uh, so, but it's mostly translated, uh, 244 times it's translated small g God. And um, who decides where it's small g and big g? Uh, that's, that's, would be a wonderful debate, but since it's used 2,346 times translated into the word God, <laughs> I'm not, not going to have time in the show to go through all those. Uh, so anyway, the next commandment we see, uh, or the next thou shalt not, is make unto thee any graven image or any likeness uh, similitude. That's what the word likeness which doesn't necessarily mean graven image. Uh, graven image could mean something uh, carved, uh, an idol, an image. But, I mean, it could be um, uh, a flag, too. But the thou shalt not included anything that is like. So anything that is like God. God being judge, ruling judge. And, of course, that's what most governments are. They, they have their gods, their judges, their ruling judges, their lawmakers. I mean, here's your law, the Ten Commandments. That was a law for a nation. It wasn't a religious document. It was a law for a government, a nation. And it was all the law they really needed. They didn't need the statutes except for the fact they needed something to help to explain the law. But here's the law. It's all contained in, the, in these laws. And we know that Christ said all these laws are contained in love the Father and love thy neighbor as thyself. 
So anyway, thou shalt not make unto thee any image or similitude of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters underneath the earth. You know, we could go into all the uh, different variables that we see, you know, like the word earth there is translated land uh, most of the time, but also earth uh, about half the time. Uh, it's also translated country. It's also translated ground. It's also translated into the word world. Uh, even translated into field and into the word nation. And these are these are translations not in combination with other words, but simply by themselves. Um, the word heaven, um, very commonly translated heaven, but also translated air. Uh, so, you know, what is when we say heaven, everybody thinks it's some ethereal place we go when we die, but that isn't necessarily what the words meant. Uh, in other words, we're not to be having anything raised up as something we bow down to and serve. We're supposed to be serving God alone. And then now we come to another one. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. Talking about the images or whatever we create as a similitude. Uh, them for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God visiting uh, the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now you remember when they elected Saul, it was a rejection of God. And that word hate is uh, sane in the, uh, in the Hebrew. Shem uh, nun uh, elef. Uh, and it means hate or enemy or foe, but actually it has to do with just rejecting God, that he should not rule over you. And so he says that if you do this, generations will suffer. Not just you, but your children and your children's children. And boy, we should be seeing that now. So, and why? Because we created an image through the Constitution, and we've begun to bow down and serve it. And why did we do that? Well, it'll get down to that 9 and 10. We'll, we'll get there eventually. But this is all because we didn't really love our neighbor as ourselves. We were actually covetous of our neighbor's goods. And we didn't mind if men broke into our neighbor's house and forced them to contribute to our welfare as long as we get taken care of first. As long, I mean, this spirit of saving ourselves first is what's brought us into bondage. So all these people who say, how do I save myself? How do I get myself free? They get rid of that spirit of saving yourself first. Because that's what's brought you into bondage, is this selfish spirit. How do I get ID? Not how do I arrange it so other people can get ID? You know, who calls me up and says, I got a friend who really needs help, and I'm trying to figure out how to help him. Or, but I might get a call occasionally. I have a friend who really needs help, and I want you to help him. <laughs> Why don't you help him? And uh, so you see the problem. You know, they've already told me what the problem is. The problem is us. We're a selfish 
bunch of bastards. And I use that word literally. You know, I, I'm not using it in a cussing sense. <laughs> we don't have our Father because we are not like our Father. We've been remade in the image of Satan, which is selfish. It was all about him. God is all about you. God wants you to be free. And he wants to set you free. And he gives you the tree of life. And you won't eat of it because you want to eat of, I'm going to know what's best for me. And then when you find out that, that doesn't work, then you start whining and crying. But you've been selfish pig. And so you, you squeal like a stuck pig when you, a stuck pig when you're stuck. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to anybody here. <laughs> the reality is it's really simple. Stop being selfish. Okay, thou shalt bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord, thy God, thy Elohim, am a jealous Elohim, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon their children unto the third and fourth generation of them that reject me, hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me. So, you know, there's your thing. Now, if you love him, why aren't you doing what he said? Why aren't you like he is? Why aren't you forgiving and merciful and giving? Why aren't you setting your neighbor free? Why aren't you working daily to form congregations that will be there for each other when there's an emergency? You don't, you put a spare tire in your car not because you're paranoid. It just makes good sense. You start out on a long trip, you make sure you got gas, you make sure you got air in your spare tire. Maybe you don't, but you should. <laughs> uh, you prepare. Count the cost. Jesus said count the cost, so you should be counting the cost. You're going to need other people. When you're trapped in the rubble, you're going to need other people. So, showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. What did Jesus say to do if you wanted eternal life? Over, We see it in, in several of the Gospels. Not just one, several of the Gospels. He didn't say be born again. That was only in one Gospel, John. But he did say, if you want eternal life, keep the commandments. He said, in John... If you love me, keep my commandments. Those who love me, keep my commandments. So anyway, he's just saying the same thing here in the, that the Ten Commandments said, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That's another one of those, Thou shalt not in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. In other words, all those Christians who say, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, but we do not see the fruits of that Spirit of Christ coming together to serve one another. They want to go to church to be lifted up, not to lift up others. They don't want to go to church to hear the truth. They want to be lifted up. I don't think you've accepted Jesus because I don't see Jesus in what you're doing. I think you're under a strong delusion. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, that's not one of those thou shalt not, and it's going to take more than a minute to cover that. Uh, but that's 
that's in there in this text about the Ten Commandments, but it's not one of the thou shalt not. So we'll talk about that when we return. And if you have any questions, we'll give you the telephone number one more time, 414-395-2442. Be back. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Because you love the truth, LibertyRadioLive.com. The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host, cause, and anywhere else the Spirit may lead you. Do all to the glory of our God and Creator, for His holy nation, the only kingdom that will last forever. Thank you for listening. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them, if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me.
welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom, and we're talking about the Ten Commandments, uh, and we'll continue with those as soon as I find out what happened to the pages. <laughs> Before you get into Sabbath, you want to take time for another question? Sure. Question for Brother Gregory. Many of us have trouble finding men and women willing to take this leap of faith. Many don't want to even talk about it as they have been burned out by conventional churches and politics. They simply want to take care of their families. With that, many of those we call our friends in life, men of strength and good souls, have trouble with things like joining the network. Sometimes their faith isn't ready. Would you happen to have any advice on how to work through this? Well, you know, I understand that being burnt out, and of course I also understand that it's hard to find gold in a field of dirt because it's all scattered around in there and you have to go out there and do some shoveling. But one of the things that might be a little bit more helpful is uh, instead, one thing, you can't be a corporate member of a congregation. You can't be a member even. We don't even like that word, Paul and I, we've talked about that. Uh, you're not really a member of a congregation. You're a congregant. You're in a free assembly. And the fact is, is that to jump from being this walk around free guy, uh, taking care of your family, uh, into this congregation, immediately when you start talking in those terms, I think of the organized church. Not that there's anything wrong with organized, but the way in which they organize is they you've got to be a member, and then they send you, well, you haven't tithed this month, and, and you know, where's your pew dues and what have you. That's not really what it's about. What you might want to do, and you have to figure out how to do this yourself, and you see how cagey I am about not telling you what to do, is not go up there and try to talk them into joining a congregation, but go up there and say, can we help you? And that might be something to consider when I mention those little brochures that you hang on the little bulletin boards all over between you and the next guy, is uh, that uh, can we help you? And that could be the question. And then, of course, you're going to get a lot of people who say, yeah, I need help, I need help, I need help. You know, I don't know if you're going to get a good result of that now that I think about it, but uh, the reality is, is that that's the spirit that you have to come with. Can I help you with your family? Can I be of assistance to you? And they have to see that. But you can burn yourself out trying to be assistance to people that, in a way that will weaken them, and you have to do it in a way that will strengthen them. So, you know, uh, instead of just having a food kitchen, what you want to do is have uh, a system of gleaners where people come together and, okay, you guys are all hungry. What can you bring to help each other out? You know, and if they just want to all come and show up for a free meal, forget them. You know, save save your time. Don't even go down there. If you want to go down there and say, you guys are hungry here, what can we do to glean together food and help one another? You know, and start showing them how to do that. So, for one thing, I, to break this down, is that you you're not trying to get people to join something. You're trying to go out and help people. You you see that there may be some people out in the community that really need help, and, and you know I, I'll I'll give you this example I've given it before this Ronald McDonald House that's in up in Bend Oregon. Uh, Bend the hospital in Bend serves a wide area, 
there's because it's surrounded by rural country for miles, hundreds of miles. That there is no doctors, there's no hospitals, there's very few towns and very small towns, a lot of rural communities, and if you you know somebody gets injured or somebody gets sick where they actually need medical help or die and they're taken to that hospital uh it can be a tremendous burden on the family to have to be hundreds of miles from home and go uh into town where their their loved one is in the hospital ron mcdonald house lets you come and stay for free and uh and if you have to receive treatment, you can't go home, but it costs you too much to be in the hospital, you can stay there for free. That is supported mostly by local people contributing. So that's the kind of thing that get together with, congregate together, and form a charitable congregation for the purposes of helping others, not for the purposes of getting out of the system or anything, but getting the system out of us, the selfishness out of us. And you say, well, we're going to have uh, the gleaners who go out and glean food from businesses who contribute to you to go and help the needy. Then you go out and find people who are in need, and you get teach them to be gleaners too. But they bring their food in and share it with others. And they work together so that they don't starve and so that they help people who really need help. Now, the problem is we have a, a tremendous amount of undeserving poor in this country today and but we're also going to see the welfare systems of the world breaking down and not being able to help and we can do things like uh, help out one another we have a local individual here who's uh, fell the other day and broke his uh, tibia and uh, he was pretty laid up anyway with old age he's in his 80s and uh, hard working guy all his life he has a debilitating bone disease uh, but anyway uh, and he's been very generous with us over the years because we've always helped him out and his family out well it looks like he's going to be pretty much confined to a wheelchair uh, he needs he doesn't have wheelchair access to the restroom in their house we'd love to build a deal so that he could we could he could still stay out in this country and uh, live uh you know, the remaining years of his life with some help and assistance. And uh, we we don't have the money to do that. We'd love to see that happen, not only just for him, but for others, uh, because they deserve to be helped out because they've always helped other people out. And a lot of people forget, but we don't forget. So there's ways in which you can, in every community where you can get together, as an example is the homeschoolers. You need to be supporting those homeschoolers, and you get together with a group that forms a way to keep an eye on the homeschoolers, keep an eye on the people who are fighting the GMOs, keep an eye on the people who are uh, trying to produce uh, healthy, unhomogenized and pasteurized milk. Those people are being attacked on a regular basis. I mean, they're making whole milk as some sort of biohazard today. <laughs> To tell you, homogenized milk is a biohazard. <laughs> it's it's poisoning people, the stuff you're buying in the stores. Uh, so we need to form congregations to help people do these things. And when people have their little pet projects, we need to come together in a congregation that doesn't forget about 
righteousness in all the other areas that we need to exercise that. So I don't know if that helps, but don't. It's not just about joining. It's about helping one another. You, you need help with your family. How can we help you with your family? If you want help with your family, can you help us with these other families over here? You know, you can find the deserving poor and do something about it and find others who want to help and work together and learn how to do that uh, because that is one of the biggest steps towards freedom is learning how to help the deserving poor, the deserving needy. That is pure religion. That is pure church to be learning how to work together to help one another and hope that they will be there to help you when you need. This is casting your bread upon the water. Common theme. When you mention church and religion, I understand the mental block that you're going to run into. So anyway, I hope that kind of helps and gives you some ideas. And then join the network and start discussing these ideas on the groups instead of, you know, people sending, you know, what these guys are doing wrong and what these guys are doing bad and, you know, we we don't want to de- descend into that. We want to say, what can we do? And then start doing it, and then we'll report the good results to other people. Okay, remember the Sabbath day. Now, remember there are ten thou shalt nots. And there's a particular word that they use it in, uh, in the Bible for thou shalt not. Um, and uh, or why they put that in in there. Actually, uh, you'll see the uh, these. Uh, there actually isn't really a. Uh, well, I'm not going to go into all the Hebrew. It just it'll get too long. But it it talks about uh, these Ten Commandments, and you actually won't see the Hebrew in the same way that you would imagine. You know, thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, you know, what word are we seeing there for thou shalt not? Uh, and in what part do we see that word? Uh, uh, anyway, uh, and how do they come to the translation that they come to? Uh, because uh, you're not going to see those words in the same way that you would think if you were actually reading the Hebrew. But anyway, the, we'll take those ten thou shalt nots, and uh, we get down to, I think, around the fourth one, which is thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in the vain. And then he gives us an explanation of why you don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, which is falsely, where you say, Lord, Lord, but not do the things that he says. And this explanation is, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. So this is how you keep the the Sabbath holy. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, thy responsibilities. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do, nor thy cattle, nor thy strangers, that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the seas and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He blessed that day because of the six days that he worked before. He works six days, takes off 
a day of rest. This is an explanation of thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And it is part of the commandments, but there is a spiritual concept that they are imparting to you with this explanation. And I'm not going to go into the whole thing right now, but uh, those six days are as important to the Sabbath as the Sabbath. Because a lot of people take off the Sabbath, but they owe six days of labor afterwards. And that is upside down. That is backwards. You see, that's what we have to reverse. That is part of the message in the Sabbath. Anyway, then the next statement is, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God has given thee. Honor there. The word honor there has to do with a Hebrew concept of fattening. That's right. You're supposed to uh, fatten your mother and your father. <laughs> uh, a lot of people don't get what that means, but uh, there's actually a couple of words there, there but ikabad, um, uh, honor, glorify, honorable, uh, heavy. It's actually translated heavy 13 times, hardened seven times, glorious five times, sore three times, heavy three times, um, oh, made heavy three times, changeable twice, great twice. It's translated many twice. It's translated heavier twice. It's translated uh, promote twice in about 10 other different ways. It has to do with, uh, like I said, to fatten. If you take the word and the letters uh, and and do research on them, uh, that's what it has to do with. And the honorarium that you give your father and your mother, because that's the government of God within the family, and the family must be strong. Uh, the most people don't realize that the tithing that you give, or not tithing, but the uh, tribute that you give the rulers of the world, is based on a patrimonial right of that honorarium. You should fatten your father, and if you're calling men on earth your father, you should fatten them. If you're looking to them to educate you and take care of you in time of need, then you should fatten them. If you're not looking to them, then you don't need to fatten them, but you need to be fattening your father. Well, if your father's dead, then you should be fattening your father in heaven's house. And whose is that house? That's the house of the Levites. And the modern Levites should be your modern church. And he is not standing between you and God. He is a part of the firstborn of your nation. He is the servants of your nation, and you fatten him so that he can take care of the widows and orphans, the people who have no father because they've died or passed away or whatever. You see, that's the nature of the government. The nature of the government of God is to take care of your father and your mother, and your father is united with other people in the congregation of free association. I don't even like the word association there, but free assembly. And they're taking care of one another. This is the kingdom. So anyway, let's get to the others and we can come back to honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. 
And, of course, that actually the word is translated slayer 16 times, murder 14 times, kill only five times, murder three times, murderer, I said before, 14 times, slain three times, manslayer twice, killing once, uh, and it's even translated death uh, at least once. But it has to do with... Uh, uh, several different forms of killing and it doesn't m mean simply taking a life but it has to do with uh, taking this life in an assassinating type way even if the assassination is by negligence and of course we can get into that when you look at the statutes of Moses this is why he says if you dig a pit you create a hazard and somebody falls in it you can be held responsible as if you committed a murder through negligence because you should have known that that pit needed to be covered or protected or a balcony without a rail. And it's obvious that somebody could fall off that. It's dangerous. And so, therefore, you can kill by negligence and it be still counted as killing. Okay, thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, that's an interesting thing, adultery. Uh, and that's usually translated adultery or adulterer or adulteress, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and people related with this violation of the bonds of matrimony or marriage or husband and wife. And it certainly is, but there are more than just sexual ways in which you violate the body. Remember, when husband and wife are one flesh, what poisons the wife poisons the husband. What poisons the husband poisons the wife. Well, it isn't simply sexual relationships, and it's certainly today having post-marital, extramarital relationships uh, can bring disease to your family that can cause death, can cause illness and sickness and uh, loss of the vitality of life. But foods you eat, the way in which you eat, the way in which you take care of yourself could be counted as adultery as well. And see, you're adulterating that union of man and wife. So there's a lot of things that could be counted as adultery. You see, this is a brief synopsis of precepts of what you should not do. Paths, you know, you're off the path here, you're off the path there. I mean, smoking. You're off the path with smoking. You know, because that's not healthy for you. Now, just to quit out of sheer willfulness isn't necessarily good either. But seeing, do I really need that? Am I a slave to that? You don't need to be a slave to that. And Christ can set you free from that. And it's part of the journey that eventually you will be free from that. And you will take care of the body that God has given you because you cherish it, because you cherish God. Thou shalt not steal. Well, that's you're not going to be taking from others. You know, it's a basic precept. That word steal, carry away. Uh, it's uh, from a Hebrew word uh, also. Uh, well, I won't go into the letters. It gets too complicated, and I'll, I'll snow you with too much inf information. But it has to do with taking dominion from somebody else of something that they should have. Dominion over themselves, dominion, and, and democracy is all about stealing. It's legal theft. 
51% will take away these rights, 51% will take away this money, 51% will make you pay for this education, 51% will make you do this. It's all about stealing. It's legalizing stealing to subject yourself to a democracy, even an indirect democracy, which is not what a republic is. So thou shalt not steal. Another thou shalt not. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Now, the word neighbor there is translated neighbor 102 times, but it's translated friend 42 times. It's translated just another 23 times. It's translated fellow 10 times, companion 5 times, uh, brother once, husband once, lovers once. And it's a pretty general word. Friend, companion, fellow, another person is the way it's defined. And it, the interesting thing is it's from a word that means feed or shepherd or pastor. Isn't that interesting? That thou uh, shalt not bear false witness against uh, anybody, any person. And uh, that, that I mean, we could define a hundred different ways in which that can take place, bearing false witness against. But now we get to the ninth and tenth. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And so that's that's really important that you understand that thou shalt not take away. And that's stealing. But thou shalt not even want to take away anything that is thy neighbor's. You cannot be a good Christian, a good Jew, a good Muslim and vote to increase the revenues of your local public school because you are coveting your neighbor's goods. You are betraying Abraham, you are betraying Moses, and you are betraying Christ every time you vote to increase the public coffers to provide benefits for the people. You are not a follower of Christ. You can't be a Christian and do that. Because if you love him, you'll keep his commandments, and that's one of his commandments. That you do not want anything that is in your neighbor's house unless he chooses to give it to you. In a free will choice. You cannot be a socialist with a gun and be a Christian or a Muslim or Jew or even a Hindu because all those religions forbid thou coveting thy neighbor's goods or anything that is thy neighbor's and how is it to love thy neighbor when thou wishes to force him to contribute to your welfare at the threat of invasion at the threat of coercion at the threat of fines and confinement it is simply not Christian. And anybody who is telling you 
that it is okay as long as you're doing it through government is bearing false witness about Christ and is not a shepherd of Christ and is not he is a pastor who has become a brute and you can look that up in your King James a pastor and brute I believe that you'll find those two together in one verse <laughs> and uh, you don't want to be a pastor a brutish pastor you want to be a servant of Christ and a servant of Christ is going to tell people the truth the hard truth and nothing but the truth and then God will help you so see you this afternoon on the shows. I got one at noon and another one at three o'clock. Uh, be there. I miss it. God bless. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Paul. You have been listening to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www dot his holy church dot net